Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply You're listening to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, taking you backstage and behind the scenes at the biggest hits on Broadway, off-Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I talk to Joe Iconis, the cult favorite composer behind the musical Be More Chill, now playing off-Broadway. The show came and went quietly in 2015 at Two River Theater in New Jersey, but three years later, the original score has racked up a whopping 100 million streams, driven by a national and international fan base that has bought advanced tickets to this new production of Be More Chill to the tune of $1.2 million, which is an astonishing number for a little off-Broadway show that purportedly no one's ever heard of. Iconis is here with me in the studio to talk about his work, his fans, the performance he calls his family, and what's next. Hi, Joe. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. So to get the kind of big question out of the way for all the aspiring musical theater creators out there, Mm -hmm. how do you create a grassroots hit musical? (laughs) How do you do that? Um, There are uh, a few steps to doing (laughs) that. Uh, The first one is to write a musical. Right. And then the next step is to have it become a viral sensation. Right. Well, yeah. How does that happen? (laughs) Uh, I do not know. The hilarious thing is that as the writer of one, I could not tell you uh, how one goes about doing it. And I certainly did not try. Right. I didn't set out to write 
a a a viral you know grassroots uh, musical it just kind of happened it might not even be possible right i don't know how that i don't think so i mean it's probably yeah. possible like now yeah. that it's happened i feel like we'll see like a lot of people really try to like engineer the very like organic right. and authentic thing that happened with be more chill yeah. yeah um and so then once people start doing that maybe then i'll be able to like you know figure out how it's actually done so you don't have a theory about like oh it's, it was referred on youtube it, something you know whatever, yeah whatever. you know i think it was i think it was a few things i think it was sort of like a perfect storm of of uh shows that were sort of popular around the same time that had some like crossover with my work and and be more chill in particular like you know like um the so the lightning thief yeah, uh, it was a musical that uh, has a fan base that definitely intersects with the Beamer Chill fan base. And the uh, book writer is uh, yeah. the same guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Joe Trace, uh, um, uh, the book writer of Beamer Chill, uh, uh, collaborated on The Lightning Thief with a whole bunch of other, of a whole bunch of people who I often work with. And so here, the, the score of The Lightning Thief was written by this guy, Rob Rokicki, mm-hmm. uh, who's a good buddy of mine, who's in my band. And uh, George Salazar was in The Lightning Thief, and it was directed by Stephen Brackett, who directed Beamer Chill. So it was all this sort of like crossover. Yeah, George Salazar, we should say, is um, one, he's not technically the star of the show, but he is the actor that uh, definitely everybody cheered at when uh, he came out. He is the kind of breakout star, let's yeah, say, right now. For sure, for um, sure. You know, and George kind of was like the, the eye of the storm yeah. as far as like what happened with Beamer Chill a year ago. Um, uh, and I think that was because the George, uh, George's song and Be More Chill is the song called Michael in the Bathroom. Right. And that was the thing that initially turned people on to the show. You know, so everyone's entry point uh, initially uh, uh, was through that song. And what was your experience of it? Take us through the experience of it. First of all, mm-hmm. it was a commission, right? It was. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. how did, did they bring the novel to you? Did you, had you read the novel? What was. Um, so I, uh, the novel was, the, the, so the novel happened before uh, the commission happened, right? The, right. the novel uh, was your actually. Your discovery of the novel. My discovery of the novel. Oh, yeah. Yes, right. yes, yes. Uh, the, the novel was given to me by, uh, by my agent uh, just in a very sort of like he had read it and he said I think there's something here I think you might be into this I could see you getting excited about this material um, and he he never really does that uh, and it, he hasn't really done it since you know it was sort of this so it was such a random thing and I, and I read the book and it was a very like no brainer you know I read it and, and I felt like oh yeah this is something I can turn into a musical can you get can you identify kind of what exactly about it you thought oh yeah mm-hmm. for sure for sure for sure uh, a few things i think uh, that- we should say actually for we haven't uh, we should talk about the plot a little actually explain the plot while you explain to me what you uh <laughs> responded to in it absolutely so be more chill is about uh a teenager uh named jeremy here and he is uh like the least special teenager who ever lived there's nothing remarkable about him and he finds out that there is this thing called a squip and a squip is this Japanese supercomputer inside a pill, and uh, teenagers everywhere uh, swallow the squip, and then the supercomputer implants in their brain, and a voice tells them how to behave. And so Jeremy finds out that, oh, all of these kids who like have it together in high school have it together because there's this Japanese supercomputer that's telling them how to go about their lives. Uh, and so that's essentially the, the, the plot of Be More Chill. And the uh, the novel uh, written by uh, the late great Ned Vizzini uh, uh, really excited me because of the characters first and foremost. You know, I loved that they were these teenage characters that felt uh, they felt like you know they were 
in some ways they were archetypes, but they were really sort of like falling in between the lines. Like they're all kind of messy, and it's it, it, they were characters that felt real, even though they were living in this heightened world. And uh, I, I I just immediately responded to that. You know, it's a it's a story that's solely populated by um, kids who feel like misfits, kids who feel like they don't quite fit in anywhere. Uh, and uh, I just uh, I I I. In my in my career, I've naturally returned to characters like that, be they you know high school kids or you know adults or or uh, or, or or animals, whatever. It's like I, I right. continually write about people who feel like they don't belong, and so that was like an immediate like, oh yeah, I love these I love these people that I'm reading about. And then um, the uh, the idea of these uh, really like you know relatable specific characters. Uh, kind of bumming around in this sci-fi story uh, was really exciting to me. And, you know, I've written shows about young people before. I love writing uh, young characters. But the thing that was like, oh, man, this is this is a show to spend some years working on uh, was the opportunity to talk about these huge issues and these issues that, you know, that young people experience in a very real uh, slash heightened way, um, but that you know adults experience as well. To 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 explore these issues through this this lens of like a sci-fi right. comedy, yeah. you know, which was really different than other stuff I've done. Yeah, and so so you got a commission from Two River mm-hmm. in New Jersey, and yeah, yeah. then the show happened, mm-hmm. and then what happened? What? So the show uh, the show happened in the spring of 2015, and a lot of the people who were in that production are now in it. Uh, this off-Broadway production? Yeah, yeah right? we're like half and half. Half and half? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so... Including George. Uh, Salazar. Including, yeah, 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 including Salazar, for real. Uh, we, uh, you know, leading up to the opening of the show at Two River, uh, everyone was really excited. It felt like there was a huge amount of momentum. Um, I've been in this this position a few times in my career where, like, I'm working on a new musical, and everyone's like, oh, man, this one is going to blow up. Like, this is going to be the one that, like, you know, goes into New York and is at a fancy nonprofit and goes to Broadway and does that whole thing. Um, And that was definitely there with Be More Chill. The audiences in Jersey were, like, loving it. They were all like, we've never seen anything like this. It felt like there was a real connection. Um, And then we opened, and, uh, you know, we got a review in The Times uh, that was sort of like, meh. And uh, that just, like, made everything disappear, which is what happens when you have a... Uh, new musical that doesn't have any famous people and doesn't have a commercial producer attached and um, and isn't based on a, a, a bankable property. Uh, it just kind of goes away. And it was so disappointing. Everyone working on it was like the most um, the most sure that we were going to get to, you know, continue on with the show and, and it didn't happen. And so it was this really like, it was just a, a, a big disappointment for a while, you know. And the, the magic thing that happened is that Two River Theater said even though the show is clearly not going on we're really proud of it and we want to preserve it we want to make a cast album of the show uh ghostlight records kurt deutsch uh who's been a big supporter of mine my whole career he came to see the show and he uh felt similarly similarly uh he felt like um you know the score deserved to be preserved on on record and so we made this album uh, a couple months after we closed two river uh produced it and made it happen and um, and it was released the Halloween uh, after we closed. So a few months after we closed, the album was out. And this would have been Halloween 2015, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so 
the um, you know the album people people liked it, but it was the kind of thing where the you know the the amount of people who liked the Be More Chill cast album are the amount of people who you would think would like the, the cast album of a musical that no one had ever heard about that played for five weeks in New Jersey. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like not, um, it, it was, everyone was like perfectly thrilled, but like that everyone could, you know, fit in um, a club, right. probably like literally called 54 Below. Like that's everyone who cared about the Be More right. Chill album. Uh, and so um, it was just kind of, it was just kind of there, you know, and I tried so hard to get the show back on a stage anywhere um, in the you know the subsequent years and and no one um, no one was interested, uh, which I understand. And then uh, in the spring of 2017, which is just like a little over a year ago, uh, I just started noticing truly out of the blue uh, social media attention for be more chill. And it was the kind of thing where I would get like tagged and you know a, a, an Instagram uh, post about about a character in the show where people would be tweeting like lyrics and it 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 you know i have a i have a, a i have a fairly healthy sort of culty fan base you yep. know and i've had that for a while and um so i i've been i've been lucky enough to 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 you know have people tell me they like my stuff and and get excited about my work online um but this was like nothing like i had ever experienced before and so it got to a point where um and everything was about michael in the bathroom mm-hmm. and it got to a point where i uh you know, I I I texted uh, George Salazar, who you know I'm very good friends with and who I work with all the time, and I was like, "Do you did you do something with Be More Chill? Like, is something happening that I don't know about?" And he said, "I was going to ask you the same thing. I'm getting all of this Be More Chill attention. Uh, the same thing happened with Joe Trace, and so the three of us were kind of like, "What you know, what's going on? Everyone thought someone else had been doing something, but no one had." And so it sort of, you know, started growing and growing and growing. And when it first started, you know, it was the kind of thing where I, you know, I called <laughs> like Shigaboom, uh, Ghostlight, who put out the album and said, you know, there like something is happening with this album. Like people are actually uh, listening to it and it feels like it's for some reason in, you know, uh, in the culture in a way that it has not been in the last two years. Um, and you know, Ghostlight—they're amazing, but their initial response was sort of like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." You know, <laughs> that's cute. I'm glad that you know some kid in Idaho tweeted at you, and now you think that you know, right. you, know you think that you're going to be on top of the world or something. Um, but then, of course, you know, within a matter of weeks, uh, like numbers started coming in, and then Ghostlight was like, "Wait a minute." Like people are actually buying this. Why are right. they buying it? And so then, you know, Kurt Deutsch then called me and he's like, are you doing something with Be More Chill? What's going on? It's like, man, I don't know. It's just <laughs> happening. Right. Uh, and so it... Uh, and we should say that the fans do uh, an extraordinary amount of fan art. Uh, there are oh. these things called animatics, which are essentially animated storyboards, mm-hmm. right? And there's, you know, one for Michael in the bathroom. And I guess the rest of the score made by the same... Oh, all, all of it. I mean, yeah, yeah. And... Um, I'm told there were action figures at a recent performance of homemade action figures, obviously, of characters in the Oh, show. my gosh. Yeah, I, I have seen the most extraordinary art yep. created by uh, kids and adults uh, based on Be More Chill. I can't even, I can't even begin to tell you. Um, it's just, it's extraordinary. And, uh, and also, like, fan, the fan fiction is also a huge thing, which is a world that I knew nothing about. Also, I should point out that I have never seen security and crowds at the signature center waiting to stage door actors coming out. I mean this was it's the fan reaction is extremely vocal in the room and then yeah. extremely uh, sort of 
rabid, but not in a scary way. No. Or at least it didn't seem in a scary way. It just seemed very avid and yeah. very um, very excited. Yeah, you know, and I think that the the first few previews especially had a had a particularly, you know, excitable sure. base. And people have come from all around the country. Oh, yeah. Also, it sounds like around the world. If they haven't yet, they will be. I know they're Tickets have been bought from around the world. Yesterday, I met someone from Australia who came specifically to see the show. Wow. At the matinee, at the evening, I met multiple people from Thailand who did not know each other, who were there. Wow. Uh, Sweden. I mean, li- literally, Brazil, like, all all over. And we've only we played seven performances. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we're early in the run right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but I think that part of the, like, the passion at these early shows, too, is that these, these are people who have truly loved this... This, this piece of theater for a year and they've just never seen it like it's it it's what's so crazy about it is that it's the you know the so at, at every performance multiple people have said to me like oh my god I feel like I'm at Hamilton you know like as right. far as the audience reaction and it's that is not that's not wrong incorrect. I was sitting yeah. in the middle of it the other night like yeah. that's that's right yeah. yeah and um and it's just we have we have the reaction of like a mega hit show without having actually like had the hit show first you know it's like it's like what happens to a show right. when it becomes that kind of hit yeah we just there was never a show in the first place and so we right. have this bizarre situation where like we're in early previews and we have the, this audience that's like going nuts for it right um right. which is you know both like good good and bad in in yeah. some ways let's talk a little bit about your process and how mm-hmm. and how you work um which comes first for you music or lyrics uh, it's they both kind of come at the same time, you know. It's uh, it's weird. I'm a really messy writer, and so what I does that mean? It, uh, it means like literal mess, or just in terms of snippets here and there. Like, um, like... All of those things you just said. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I it, it means that I uh, for starters, I don't I don't have like a set time of day that I write. You know, I I, I know writers who are super rigid and like, yeah, I, I wake up right. and then I have six hours of writing, and that's when I write. And, um, and I just can't do that, you know? And uh, and so for me, when I do write, I'll usually, like, obsess over an idea for a long time. And then when I actually put pen to paper, um, I've, I feel like I've already, like, sort of written the song in my head before I actually start, you know, writing, writing it. And usually I'll start with a hook or some major sure. idea. Um, and that will usually, that will always be actually lyric-driven. It'll be the words. And then in those words, there's usually some sort of implied music in my head. Uh, and then I just kind of go back and forth, you know, and I, I write, um, I, I, I bounce around a lot when I write. So I'll, I'll, I'll start, you know, at, uh, at a coffee shop and then I'll go to a piano and then I'll, you know, go to a bar and then I'll pace around my apartment. And I like to sort of, you know, right. bop around as I'm making stuff. How long does it take to write a song? If you've done this pre thinking mm-hmm. that yeah. you, how long does then a song usually take you? It's it's truly different mm-hmm. for every every song. You know, it's like the ultimate depending on the needs of the patient. It's gonna take as long or as short. Um, you know, I there are songs in Be More Chill that feel like they've taken, you know, the four years to write because I I you know worked on them in New Jersey, you know, leading up to the show and couldn't get it right and they're still working on it here and you know, still not getting it right. And, and so right. it's like, oh that song's a year in the making. And then there's other songs, like there's a song in the show called uh, A Guy That I'd Kinda Be Into that I had to yeah. write in a pinch when we were in rehearsals for the first production. Um, and it was just one of those things where, like, we had this time to stage this number. I knew I needed a number there. 
uh, and I, I just it's like if I'm not, if I don't write this now, this thing's never going to end up in the show. And so I you know ran away, and in 40 minutes I had the whole song. Right. So like it's just it's you know it it, it, it and it's always a surprise to me. I never know how quickly something will will come or how you know the, torturous the process will be. And what makes a good musical theater song, in your view? Um, I think that a good musical theater song is uh, is one that takes uh, takes the the audience on a journey of some kind. Uh, it feels kind of kind of like cheesy to even say that, uh, but uh, it's the truth. You know, I think a good musical theater song you start in one place and you finish in another, and that's kind of like the the simplest thing. You know, you should be moving some somewhere somehow. You know, and I think that the sort of common a notion about musical theater writing and musical theater songs is that you know if the song doesn't move the plot forward you have to cut it um, but I don't always think that I think if the song is moving a character forward or you know um, or, or, or whatever that's that's totally valid you know um, but it's that it's 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 movement I think right and rhyme I'm like the biggest stickler for rhyme oh really oh my god yeah <laughs> I get made fun of so badly by, by who? Who are by the people like, who are making fun of your rhymes? Like other musical theater writers. <laughs> I like literally feel picked. I feel like I'm like Poindexter over here trying to, you know, <laughs> make, trying to make rhymes perfect <laughs> rhymes. Yeah. What I, 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 oh my God, I've had so many uh, truly like fights about it because I'm, I'm like kind of a bitch about it. Um, but I'm, I'm proud of that. I like, I, you know, I've said so many times, like there's no such thing as a perfect rhyme because it either rhymes or it doesn't. Like, wow. Just, All right. Those are fighting words. It, yeah. Are, yeah. yeah. I mean, but it's like, it, you know, it's just, it, it, it's, right. it's language, it's syllables, it's, it's, uh, it, a word rhymes or it yeah. does not. Um, aside from perfect rhyme, what in <laughs> musical theater would you like to see more of? I would like to see, uh, more of musicals that are populated by characters and people, uh, who don't look like, Robots uh, who don't look like sort of sparkly musical theater robots. Mm -hmm. I like seeing interesting, um, strange human beings on a stage, and I like when those interesting and strange human beings have material uh, written for them that is worthy of their uh, strangeness. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something I would love to see. I would love to see more uh, just personality-driven work. You know, I feel like a lot of musicals that I see, especially in a in a in a, in a, in a uh, uh, in the commercial sphere, uh, they feel a little bit like musicals, musicals made by committee. You know, it's like I, I feel like sometimes you, you see a show, and I just—it's like I can hear the the conversations, you know, behind the scenes about which number is going to offend the least amount of people, and uh, and it uh, it just gives everything this sameness that that kind of bugs me. And I, and I think what's so funny about it is that it it it, oh, it seems it without fail the shows of every season that are like the hit shows are the ones that don't do that. Like they're always the shows that are strange and that didn't follow the rules and that feel like, you know, the shows that people like love to call like edgy in quotation marks and downtown in quotation marks. Those are always the ones that are like the successful ones. But it seems, you know, from for for me at least, it feels like as someone who 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 definitely, you know, lives in that world, um, it it's so hard to get people to get behind the that kind of writing, you know? So I just want to see more shows that will make it easier for me to get my shows produced. Really. <laughs> I'm just totally selfish. Yeah, no, <laughs> I feel like being a creator of musical theater is one of the hardest, uh, I don't know, kind of 
aspects of the business to break into, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just in part because, first of all, you have to find collaborators you, mm-hmm. you like, right, yeah. and click with. Yeah. And then just in order to get people to hear or see your work, you have to, like, get some actor, like, hire <laughs> the actors and rent a studio and hire some musicians and record a demo. And it mm-hmm. just feels like the barrier to entry is... Uh, even higher than it is for a lot of uh, other um do you what's your advice for aspiring musical theater creators who um want to into it yeah my uh my advice is to uh to immerse yourself in the community uh whatever that means to you or whatever that you know be that like the 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 theater community in New York or wherever you're from uh, you know, it's it it's it's hard because as as you said, there's no there's no rule book. You know, there's no like right. there's there's no how to become a musical theater writer. It's so nebulous and it's so scary. And for me, the thing that the thing that saved me and the thing that allowed me to enter into the world was literally just finding people who were doing the same thing and connecting with them and learning from them and. Um, being open you know if I didn't if I didn't go to the NYU graduate musical theater writing program um, I never would have been able to enter the musical theater world also because my my personality especially at the the time when I was sort of you know finishing undergrad and going into grad school I was like super reserved I um, never thought that I was the sort of person who would be able to like sing in front of people or you know which we should say you do regularly you, you I, perform I as Iconos and family yeah yeah. Right. yeah 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 all the time and um, and that felt so beyond anything I would ever imagine doing the thought of like going up to someone and introducing myself and being like hi I'm Joe I wrote a musical you should do it like truly just beyond terrifying to me like Panic Attack City um, and so for me going to that program and just being around all these other people who are writing musicals and are for the most part just as confused um, made me feel like okay this is something that human beings do <laughs> and they start somewhere and this is that place and then you know you 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 just learn how to how to like swim in the pond or you learn like this isn't for me and you get out of there you know? and the uh, Anne family of Iconos and family that you perform with is mm-hmm. that is that sort of an outgrowth of that community that you found? Um, is that how you found a lot of those people? Yeah, for sure. You know, I um, when I first when I first graduated school, I uh, had a musical that was in development uh, with a with a nonprofit theater, and I sort of felt like, oh, cool, my musical um, is in development with this theater. It's going to open off Broadway. It'll transfer to Broadway. I'm going to be set for life. Right awesome and like clearly that didn't happen and it's like not the way it works and I didn't know about like musical theater development timelines when I graduated (laughs) Uh, and so after you know like a year I felt like wait a minute I'm writing all of these songs and I have all of this stuff and no one's hearing it and that doesn't seem correct and so I was like I want to just put on a show and it came from like the most um, you know, just uh, the, the cheesy, like, you know, let's put on a show in the backyard kind of right. thing. I didn't know how to do that at all. And so I found a theater company um, that was, you know, run by someone I knew and was like, hey, can, like, I want to do a, a, some, a show with my songs. How do we do that? And they helped me out. Um, and so then that's how the sort of like Iconis and Family thing was born. Right. And or just as far as like me doing shows was born, yeah. and um, the the more and more I started doing those those shows, the the more and more I started meeting you know actors and people and and kind of formed this group you know and it was just literally just actors or musicians who I would see 
and I was a fan of, and I would just say, hey, you know, I saw you perform at this gig, or I saw you in this play, and I think you're great, and uh, if you want to come sing with me, uh, let's do it, you know, and, and at the time when that, when we first started doing the shows, like 2007, you know, 2008, um, there wasn't quite as much of a musical theater concert scene as there was, as there is now, yeah. and so it sort of felt like this, like, kind of new thing, you know, and even in the context of the musical theater context, concert scene, most of the shows that I would go see as far as new musical theater shows felt like like recitals to me. Like they always felt like, you know, like a night of songs by such and such composer with like music stands, um, which is totally valid. But I always felt like, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to do something that feels like a cross between a a like sort of classic cabaret, like, you know, Don't Tell Mama in 1989 cabaret yeah. and like a full blown rock concert. Um, and so I just sort of approached it in a different way from the get go. And um, yeah. What's next for B. Marchell after after it's run off Broadway? Uh, I don't know. You know, we're really hoping that it uh, it moves on to another life post off Broadway. Um, of course, that's like not totally in the control of, of certainly not in the control of myself. Right. <laughs> um, a lot of things need to you know happen. A lot of things need to line up. But I mean, we're you know we're really we're not good. We're doing super well off Broadway as far as things like ticket sales and you know and audience reaction. Yeah, and all yeah that. really unusually well for a show that. Uh, as you said, you know, played uh, five weeks in New Jersey at the end. Yeah. Uh, up until now. Yeah. yeah. Right. And there's no famous people in it. And right. there's no, I mean, you know, like sort of theater, like Will Rowland is theater famous. Right. Will Rowland is the, uh, plays the, um, the, I was about to say title character, but his name is uh, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy, thank you. Yeah. And um, he's he was le- in, leading man. Yeah. Leading yeah. man. And he was uh, in the original, or at least in the Broadway cast of Dear Evan Hansen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and even that. And what's hilarious though is that people people have talked about Will Rowland as sort of being like star casting, which I mean is hilarious to me for so so many reasons. <laughs> uh, you know, because it's like it's that's also like such a theater thing, or like these people that we build up and be like, oh, well, you know, you have to put like this, you know, quote unquote star in the show, and it's like nobody knows who these people are, yeah. and nobody knows who Will Rowland, no one knows who I am, right. uh, and but whatever. But uh, but Will is someone who I Will does Will's been in like the Iconison family stuff for ten years. You know, I've, I've known Will for literally 10 years and um, and have worked with him on so many shows and the fact that now he's like the leading man in my musical and people talk about him like it's star casting is just the, the coolest most hilarious thing to me. I love it well I can't wait to see what happens with the show me too yeah thanks for joining me thank you for having me it was yeah, fun. nice to talk to you That was Joe Iconis on his popular new musical, Be More Chill, now playing at Off-Broadway's Signature Center. If you like what you've heard on this and other episodes of StageCraft, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe wherever finer podcasts are dispensed. On the next episode of StageCraft in two weeks, I talk to Andy Carl, the Broadway favorite now starring in the new musical adaptation of Pretty Woman. Until then, see you at the theater. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels well here's your chance welcome to the quiet part out loud with me bobby stegger broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of broadway creatives part interview part therapy this is not your typical podcast we'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists what they still struggle with what lessons they've learned what they haven't figured out yet there's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud are you listening 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.